Good morning, everybody. It's been great to catch up with many of you and uh, coming back from sunny South Carolina. I got tan. You see that? <laughs> it's been good, but I miss you. And, uh, you know, before I left, we finished up our series on 1 Timothy. That was called The Front Lines of Faith. So now I'm getting ready for the next series that we're going to start in the fall. Do you want to know what it is? I didn't tell the first, ser- the first uh, service people, but I'm thinking that I might like you guys better. So do you want me to tell you what it is? I'll tell you next week. You've got to come back. I'll tell you this. You're going to be very excited when you hear it. It is going to be very relevant and pertinent. But next week, I'll tell you. But, uh, you know, just a handful of times a year, I have this, like, opportunity to preach something that I just feel would be a real blessing to the church. And it's not, like, part of a series. And I thought, well, what would really bless? I know there's a lot of people going through a lot of things right now. And um, a few years ago, you remember when we went through that series, Running with the Giants? Uh, And we looked at the Old Testament heroes of the faith, and they encouraged us and showed us how to run uh, with perseverance. Well, there were a a few of those characters that didn't make it into the original series. I didn't have enough weeks. So um, I brought a few of those messages up to Silver Birch Ranch back in 2013, but I never preached them here. So I looked back over a few of those sermons, and I thought, man, these are blessing me to, to look back over them again. And I think I think all of our church needs to hear them. So the next two weeks, we're going to look at some heroes of the faith from the Old Testament. They're going to strengthen our faith, and then after that, uh, we'll, we'll uh, head into our new series. Today, we're going to talk about Caleb, and Caleb is a role model of faith that endures. Um, hey, faith is like a race. Faith is like a race. You're running the race, and you need to endure in the race through hardship, or your faith is going to fail. God wants to teach you how to run without giving up. How is he going to do that? He gives you role models in the Bible of people who didn't give up. Um, I became a runner last year. Maybe you remember that. Uh, Lauren kind of talked me into running a 5K, and I ran it because I knew that they gave me chocolate at the finish line. So that's why I ran it. And then Pastor Mark started on me, and he said, you should run a half marathon. You should run a half marathon. I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, finally, this June, Mark and I ran a half marathon, and I almost died. But I made it, so now I'm kind of interested in, you know, trying another one. So a bunch of us are now going to run the Oak Brook half marathon on Labor Day. So I'm training for that. It's a race. And when you run a half marathon, it's a good two hours of running, okay? So it takes some training. And the way you train is, like, one day a week, you run about three miles, and then another day a week, you run maybe five. Then you have a long run each week of maybe 9, 10, or 11, you know? So I'm in South Carolina, and I thought, all right, I'm going to stick with my training because I want to be in good shape for the race. So I woke up early, and I walked outside, and it was 85 degrees. And the humidity was like a 1,000%. I mean, it just stuck to you. And I was like, all right. I'm going to do nine. And I started running. And then the sun came up over the trees. And it was like, like, I felt like a frying pan. It was like, and I was like, all right, all right. I'm going to do seven. I'm going to do seven. And then it just started coming up off the asphalt. I was like baking. And, and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do six. And then as I'm running up and down this like pretty secluded road, I start to see these signs. Here's a picture of a sign that I saw right along the road where I was jogging. And I'm looking at these signs like, nobody's around. The alligators know that now is the time to strike. And so I'm like, all right, four. I'll do four. And, uh, and finally, I'm like, forget it. I'm just going to go in the ocean. <laughs> forget it. I'm quitting. 
Um, faith is like a race. It's like running. And it's going to get hot. You're going to get exhausted. Uh, there's going to be danger. You're going to want to quit. You will want to quit. It's going to be hard. Um, God wants you to learn endurance. He wants you, he wants me to learn to keep running through hardship. So Caleb is going to be our role model today for how to run the race of faith with endurance. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word together. Father, thank you for recognizing in scripture and being honest with us that this race of faith will be hard and long and treacherous. Therefore, we need to learn to endure some things if we're going to make it. Thank you for giving us living, breathing role models, people who give us hope that it's possible to endure. Help us to follow Caleb's example today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers, chapter 13. As you're turning there, you're going to 1500 B.C. You're going back in time. The room didn't even move and you just traveled back in time. How did it feel? 1500 B.C., you have just arrived there. Moses just led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Let my people go. The Red Sea stood up. They walked through on dry land. And now they, they hit Sinai. God gave them the Ten Commandments. Now God wants to take them to settle the land he promised to give Abraham's descendants. All right, check it out. Here's a map. Uh, they came out of Egypt. They went down to Mount Sinai. It's the traditional map. And then back up. And Canaan is where Israel would start. There's no Israel yet. There's no nation. God promised to bring a people about. Through this country would come the Christ, the Messiah. It's really important if you want to get into heaven for the Messiah to be born. It's important for Israel to be formed as a nation so that Christ could come into the world. So here's your salvation basically wandering through the wilderness. And if all these people get executed on the way, <laughs> nobody's going to heaven. So here they are. They're wandering. They're trying to get into Israel. And then let's see what happens in Exodus 13. Or, or Numbers. I'm sorry, Numbers 13. God had sent 12 spies into the land, and they come back, and they give a report. Verse 25, it says this, At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. They came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran, at Kadesh. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. They told them, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. However... The people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So these are like 12 Navy SEALs, tough guys, sent in on a spy mission from God to scope out the land that they were about to conquer. And they came back, and 10 of them were like, there's people already there, and they're really big and scary. Their cities are big, and their fortresses are tall, and we're, kind of, we're really afraid. This is not the voice of faith. This is the voice of fear. All right? Then it goes on to say this in verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. So now there's these two competing voices. 
The ten spies are like, we can't do it. There's descendants of Anak. If you read Genesis, there were giants, the Nephilim, who lived in Noah's day. And, and we don't think these are direct descendants. It's just kind of a catch-all term for really big people. The point is, these are huge warriors. And they came back and scared all of Israel. Saying, There's giants there in huge cities, and we're never going to be able to take it. And Caleb was like, quiet, quiet, quiet. We are well able to take it, and we should go. That's the voice of faith. Now, in this contrast of faith and faithlessness, which is on display in real bodies, you learn something about you. Because when God asks you to do something, when God promises you something, you will hear the voice of fear saying, don't do it, he won't rescue you, it's going to end badly. And you will hear the voice of faith saying, he is able. This is what's going to go on in your own heart. There will be the tug of war between faith and fear when God asks you to go through something hard by faith. I want to show you what this must have been like. So I need some, I need some volunteers, actually. I need, I need 12 men to volunteer to come up and step on this stair. And because I, I want to motivate you, I'll give you each $100 if you come up. The first 12 men who stand on this step with me. Come on, Bob. Get on up here, John. Come on. Matt's coming. Mike's coming. Yeah. Come on up. On this step, I need 12 men and only 12 men, and I don't count. Good. One, two. Whoop, there we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Perfect. I forgot my wallet at home. I'm so sorry. I'm so Repent of your love for money right now in front of everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, so you two. All right, come on over here. You guys are going to stand here. You're the good spies, Okay. The rest of you all are the bad spies. We need all 10 of you to convince us to not go into the promised land. So go ahead. They're really tall. We're going to die. Okay, that sounds really scary. All right, we got Aaron and Carlos here. Now it's their turn, but only one of you kind of talk. So Carlos, why don't you convince us that we should really go in and take the land? You got to boo him. Boo him. You better do better than that. Oh, I don't know. Boo! I'm not convinced. Now, one of you has to suggest that we stone him. Let's stone him. All in favor? All in favor? Aye! All right. You failed. But hey, give them a round of applause. This is what it was really like. These big tough guys were like, we shouldn't do it. We're going to die. And then there's this one guy over here, and he's like, no, we should. We should. We should. And they want to stone him to death. The people decided to stone him to death. Man, what you see there is what goes on in your heart. There will be a tug of war between faith and fear when you are called to do something hard, when God calls you to go through a tough season. But God wants you to walk by faith. All right, so question. What is faith. What is faith? You can write this down. This is like a pre-note. It's before the note in your bulletin. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. It's not just knowing something. It's not just feeling something. It's action and emotion in response to revelation. God says something. Your response is to act like it's true. Your circumstances are going to be the things that try and prevent you from walking by faith and instead to compel you to walk by fear. 
Now the Israelites were failing. They were listening to fear. They were not going to walk by faith. Caleb tried. It wasn't going well. It's pretty awesome that they were called on a spy mission from God, right? Go in, check out the land, come back. Like they walked in and they had to be all cool about it. What are you guys doing here? Oh, nothing. We're just here on uh, business. We're just uh, checking things out, you know? Wouldn't that be, if God asked me to go on a spy mission, I'd go on a spy mission for God. Would you do that? I love spy movies. Do you know that they actually have a national spy museum? And they have artifacts in that museum that were really used by spies throughout. So check this out. Here's some artifacts that are in this spy museum. This is a pigeon camera used in World War I to fly over the battlefield and get intelligence. They didn't have drones back then. Come on. So pigeon cam. And uh, then it came back. This is a uh, poison umbrella. It shoots a poison dart. They actually used it in 78 to assassinate a guy in the streets of London. The KGB used it to kill a guy. Watch out for people with umbrellas. Here's the next one. This is the lipstick pistol. One shot. You better be careful which way you point that thing, right? (laughs) 1965 KGB, they called it the kiss of death. Here's the next one. This is the shoe phone. Uh, (laughs) The way it works is, they, they, would, they would get like an American dignitary's dry cleaning that he sent off, and they'd, they'd use his own clothes to spy on him. They'd put a phone in his shoe. And then when he would go off to these meetings, they would listen to him through his own shoe. His own shoe was spying on him. Really used. These are like, when I think of spying, this is what I think of. I think of like secret missions and high-tech gadgets and getting it. And that's kind of what these Israelites were doing. They were getting in there, they were scoping it out, they were bringing stuff back. But then when they came back, they failed. They, all 12 of them saw the same thing. They all saw high walls, thick walls, strong fortresses, tall people, fortified cities. They had a justifiable reason to be afraid. But two of them saw more. All 12 of them saw the obstacles, but two of them saw a bigger God. And listen, when you go through trials, you're going to see scary things. You're going to see a future filled with true danger. But are you going to see God bigger than that? Are you going to see past all that? See, because you and your neighbor, you're going to go through the same things. When you become a Christian, God doesn't take the list of ways you can suffer and cross most of those off. Christians will go through everything that your neighbors will go through. But you'll have different eyes to see through faith. You'll have different promises upon you as you go through it. We have to be ready to see the trouble, the problems. We have to be ready to walk by faith. Caleb saw more. They had every reason to be afraid. Here's a picture from Brashov. When we went to Brashov, there's a citadel up there from the 1500s. They really used this to defend the city. And we've got a few other pictures. Check out how high these walls are. And like, how would, how would you get in there? Even if there was no one guarding it, I could spend all day trying to climb that wall and I wouldn't get in. And this is like what they were seeing when they spied out the promised land. Big, huge fortresses. How on earth are we going to get in there? There's no way. They were kind of right. Were they able? No. But is God able? That's what Caleb saw. So check out the contrast again in verse 30 and 31. In verse 30, Caleb said, we are well able to overcome it. In verse 31, those without faith said, we are not able to go up against it. Here's the first main point you can write down. We have to measure the size of our problems by the size of our God. Whatever you're going through, measure the size of your problems by the size of your God. 
their God just threw the entire Egyptian army into the sea. Their God just made Sinai rumble and rattle like an anthill. Their God just threw all these plagues on the Egyptians. And now they're like, well, yeah, he did that, but he can't do this. You'll feel the same way. You're right. This trial might be too much for your strength. You're right. This health problem might be too much for even your doctors to figure out. You're right. Your marriage might be too broken for the two of you to fix. You're right. Maybe the financial crisis in your family or your business is something that you can't solve on paper. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right in saying it's impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. They were right and wrong. We can't do it. Right. God can. They stopped at fear. They didn't walk by faith. You know, when the Bible talks about a person who is gripped with fear, the the Bible uses this image of a ship that's being tossed about by the waves and by the wind, doubting. The double-minded person. This isn't genuine doubt. This isn't like Mary saying to the angel, how will this be so since I'm a virgin? Like, that's genuine doubt. Like, that's like, help me understand how this is going to happen. This kind of doubt that is condemned in the Bible is more like with a clenched fist, like God won't come through. He won't keep his word. I don't believe that he will. Or this vacillating of, all right, I really believe God, and I really don't believe God. This is the doubting person who's not walking by faith. And it's like a a ship, wind-tossed, wave-tossed, double-minded. This is what we're not supposed to be. I've got a picture here from a cruise ship. You can go ahead and play that. There's no sound. There's just a security camera picked up this cruise ship that was on stormy waters. And look at all these people suddenly find themselves <laughs> sliding all the way over to one side of the deck. And they're like, oh, good, glad that's over. And then, oh, here comes another wave. So now they are rapidly sliding to the other side of the deck. Now they're trying to hold on to things that are moving, like chairs. Now watch the bartenders at the bottom. The bartenders think they're safe. They're, watch, they're laughing at everybody who's flying around, but look out. Whoa! He was holding on to a cash register. And then people are falling down. They're getting hurt. And then they show a, a quick video here of a cargo area. You know, you don't, want a, you don't want a gate below deck to open up, but bam, there's things flying all around. This, this, is, this is a trial. This is, a, this is like a doubting person. Look at the piano in the back. See the piano at the top? Watch the guy who grabs the piano thinking it's a good idea. Whoa, there I go. All right, that's enough. Hey, if you go through a hard time and you don't walk by faith, that's going to be your heart sliding painfully back and forth because you're not holding on to something that's stable. That's the double-minded, unstable person who's not trusting God. And these ten spies are like, we're going to die! And all the Israelites are like... But we have to measure the size of our problems by the size of our God. Then we can walk by faith. Hey, fear is going to try to to drown out God's voice. Fear will try and gain control of your heart. And if fear does gain control of your heart, fear will become your new God. Then your new God will kill your old God. And you won't walk by faith. The key is we have to measure the size of our problems by the size of our God. What did Caleb say? We are well able to do it. That's actually not true. 
They weren't able to do it, but God was able to do it, and he knew it. His faith was in God and God's promises. Therefore, Caleb stood apart. And hey, you have to be willing to stand alone. Even if everyone is telling you to give up on God or walk away from his promises, you have to be willing to stand alone with the voice of faith, believing that God is able to do. Doesn't matter what the doctors say. Doesn't matter. God is able to do it. And you have to stand by faith and cling to his promises. All right, so Caleb shows us what it's like to say, in the face of certain defeat, we are well able to overcome it. Here's the second point. We learn here that faith brings blessing, but faithlessness will bring suffering. If you walk by faith, God will bless you. If you are faithless, then there will be judgment and pain that comes into your life from that. Check out chapter 14, verse 1 now. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. Okay, you you missed your line. It says the people wept that night. We can't do it. This is so sad. We're all going to die. They're so big. Verse 2, and the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So now turn and complain. I can't. Go ahead, complain to somebody next to you. Who does this Moses think he is? Who, Who put him in charge? Can you believe that they want us to go into these high fortified cities and get all of ourselves killed? This is crazy. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is it that the Lord is bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? They said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Faithless, faithless, faithless. You know what would have really made this story better? If we had just died. Or if we just die right now. Because all God's doing is bringing us into this land so that we all die. Negative, negative, faithless, faithless, fearful. What would that even be like? We're going back. Pharaoh, we're very sorry about your army. We know all the firstborn died and the funerals we're sorry about that too, but can we just have our houses back? We're... What kind of a plan is this? This is a terrible plan. Verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. That's a sign of outrage said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. You see the different view? We're going to die in there. No, it's a good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only don't rebel against the Lord and don't fear the people of the land for they're bread for us. Their protection is removed from them. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's the key. Do you see that? The Lord is with us. They spoke that by faith. They didn't see it. They spoke it by faith. Don't fear them. And here's the two temptations here. The temptation to disobey, it says in verse 9, do not rebel and then do not fear. We will be tempted to fear we will be tempted to follow our fears out of line with God's word when we go through trials. We're going to fear that if we don't spring into action, right, that things aren't going to get better. Therefore, we walk out of God's word to try and fix the problem on our own. It doesn't work that way. Don't 
rebel, don't fear. We have to understand that faith brings blessing, but faithlessness brings suffering. They're coming up with really bad ideas here, and then God shows up. Look in verse 10. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. We need to kill Joshua, kill Caleb, kill Moses. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Now what was just spoken by faith, the Lord is with us, is now sight. God rewards the faith of these men and he shows up to save their lives. Save their lives. They're about to get killed. And God shows up. Verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs I have done among them? Now we know how unbelief makes God feel. How long will these people despise me? Hey, listen, do you know that God feels despised when you have grown up in the church and you've heard the gospel time and time and time again and you're still waffling on whether or not you want to give your life to Christ? Do you know that God says, how long will this person despise me? Do you know that if you were raised in a Christian family and you see God work again and again and you're still like, I don't know if I'm down with that, God feels despised by you. How long will this person wait to get baptized? How long will this person wait to stand up and say, I'm a follower of Christ because I feel despised by them. I've shown them so much. Wow. This is how God feels by faithlessness of those people who know better. They walked through the Red Sea. They saw the miracles and they're like, you don't know if he can save us. We don't know if we want to follow him. That makes God feel despised. Check out verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 14. God issues a judgment. It says, None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. Judgment. Judgment. You knew better. You should have had faith. You failed. Judgment. Now you don't get in. I would have marched you in there and given you victory, but now you can't get in. God sentences them to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. One year for every day they spied out the land. Every day of their faithlessness cost them a year of wandering. Verse 24, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Caleb had a different spirit, a spirit of faith. Caleb was following me fully. Verse 25, Now since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the Red Sea, goes on in verse 28. Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and up, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell. He's reminding them, I made a promise, I would have given it to you, but now you're all going to die out here just like you feared. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones who you said would become prey, what were they afraid of? Our kids are going to die. Your little ones who you said would become prey, I will bring them in. 
they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, listen, and shall suffer for your faithlessness. For the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. Wow. Blessing for Caleb, judgment for the faithless. Promised blessing for Caleb. He's going to get in. Promised judgment for the faithless. 20 and up, dead in the wilderness. You will not get in. Whole generation sentenced to die off naturally. What happens to those spies who came back? Even worse. Look at verse 37 of chapter 14 for them. Verse 37, it says in verse 37, the men who had brought up a bad report of the Lord uh, of the land died by plague before the Lord. They died that day. One day, that we're, we shouldn't do it. We're going to die. It's going to be off. The next day, they're dead by plague because God judged their faithlessness. Enough of you. You're in the ground. And the rest of you, you're going to die off one by one. Why? Because you were faithless. And your children, oh, they'll suffer for your faithlessness, but then I'll take them in. This is judgment. God will reward your faith and he'll judge your faithlessness. Caleb is a role model here to show that faith brings blessing, faithlessness brings suffering. You know, you'll have to suffer for other people's faithlessness. Your parents can hurt you with their lack of belief. Our country, our government can hurt us with their lack of belief. We can suffer for their faithlessness. They can steer us in harm's way. Now they've got to wander. But Caleb, here's the thing. Caleb was now sentenced to wander for 40 years because of other people's mess up. What a trial that is. It creates this interesting societal makeup because those 20 and under get to live, those 20 and up will die. It's going to be 40 years. So by the time the 40 years rolls around, there's like nobody older than 60. I mean, they didn't have any social security crisis because they didn't have anybody retired. It was Caleb, Joshua, there was Moses. That was it. All these people were young and the whole generation died off. It was really bad for the bingo industry. I got to tell you. Imagine that. Imagine just that in our country, there's no one but three people older than 60. That's God's judgment. And they're all dying off one by one. And Grandpa Caleb here has, has been granted this promise that he's going to get in. That's actually kind of cool. You know, like, he has practically virtual immortality for 40 years, right? You're going to get in. In 40 years, you're going to get into the promised land. So, so he's like, so I'm just not going to die for 40 years? I'm bulletproof. what's Grandpa Caleb doing now? Oh, he bungee jumped last week. I think he's going to run with the bulls this week. I don't know. He can't die. And the people started to realize that he wasn't really getting older. He he was just kind of living and living and not dying. and, And hey, God reveals very little to you about your future. Very little. There's no WikiLeaks in heaven. An angel's not going to like leak information to you about your future. You can't access it. So when God tells Caleb, you're going to be alive 40 40 years from now, he rarely does that. It was awesome when Hezekiah was told he got 15 years added to his life. Caleb was told 40's coming your way. What a blessing for the man of faith. All these guys are fearing the future, and God looks down at the man of faith and says, I got 40 years for you. His faith was rewarded. Your faith will be rewarded. When you look at the future, not through eyes of fear, but with assurance God will bless that. What a gift that he told this man, Caleb, he would get 40 years. And what a lesson for us, that when we walk by faith, God brings us assurance. 
All the fears of the spies would come true, but it didn't have to. The opposite of their fear would come true for their kids. Their kids would all get in safely. Our kids are going to die. No, they're not. I'm going to leave them in safely. They'll take the land you rejected. We learn that fear is wrong. Fear steers us out of God's will. Fear can command our actions to rebellion. We have to be careful to listen to faith. Well, how does this end? You can write this down. Here's a question for you. Caleb is out in the wilderness for 40 years. What will your faith survive? We know what Caleb's faith is about to survive. He measured the size of his problem by the size of his God. His faith brought blessing, but the faithlessness of the nation brought suffering. Ask yourself this, what will your faith survive? Based on Caleb's example, the faith that never gives up, what are you going to get through by faith? What are you going to survive by faith? Check out Joshua chapter 14 now. That's where the rest of this story comes up. Joshua chapter 14, to the right just a little bit, a couple books in your Bible. Joshua's alive, Caleb's alive, Moses is alive, he didn't get to go in. Joshua 14, you're going 45 years into the future. They were hard years. I don't know what problem you have, I don't know what trial you're enduring, but listen, because of someone else's failure, Caleb spent age 40 through 85 living in a tent in the middle of nowhere. How much longer, Lord, is this going to go on? A couple more decades. Stay in it. And it was because other people lacked faith. Now in 14, verse 6, how do we find Caleb? Man, if there was ever a reason for a guy in the Bible to say, forget this, I'm out of here, or to just fold his arms and give up four decades of his life. And here in chapter 14, verse 6 of Joshua, it says, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again, as it was in my heart. My brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold... The Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. Now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength then for war, for going, for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. With great fortified cities, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him. Caleb shows up here. He's 85 years old and he walks into Joshua's presence like in armor, with a sword. You heard what the Lord said. He said that I'm going to give it, that he's going to give me this land and I'm I'm ready to go and take it. I was ready 40 years ago and I'm ready now. He's 85 years old. Have you ever seen an 85-year-old with a sword? You don't mess with an 85-year-old who's holding the sword. You don't mess with an 85-year-old who's holding a cane, let alone a sword. Think of an 80-year-old man in your life right now who wants to go up and storm the biggest fortress with the tallest giants now. 
Where did this energy come from? He said, the Lord. The Lord preserved his life. The Lord preserved his physical strength. They're all watching him in the wilderness, and they're like, he's not getting any older. He's like doing push-ups. Like, I'm going to go after the biggest of them. I'm going to go after the best of them. God's going to bring me in. He's taking out guys half his age and fighting. They can't believe it. And then he says, here, send me to the hill country. It's hard enough to fight when it's flatland. He's going to go uphill, right? He's going to go after the giants. His faith was strong. His body was strong. His heart was strong after 45 years of suffering for other people's failure. That can be you going through whatever you're going through. At the end of it all, God can keep you strong, mind, body, and soul, if you walk by faith. This guy's got a sword out, and he's saying, let me at him. It was God's promise that kept him strong. Do you know that in verse 6, 10, and 12 of what I just read to you, five times Caleb said, God said, God told me, you heard, I knew what he said. Where's this faith coming from? What he heard from the lips of God. And when you hold up this book, whatever you're going through, whatever's at the top of the hill waiting for you, God said, God said, God said, God said, God said, I'm going for it. That's faith. That's faith. And then what happened? I wish, I wish there were video cameras back then. Because in chapter 15, verse 14, it says this, And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak. Anak means giant. These are like huge warriors, the biggest warriors, the proudest warriors, standing in their tallest cities. They're all full of themselves. I'd love to see them look down while this senior citizen is running up the... And he did it! He wiped them out. It would have been a miracle at 40 if he came back and he was like, yeah, I just killed the three giants. Oh, he's 85. That's what faith does. That's what God does through the man of faith. Here's the thing, though. He had to take the hard way. This story came about slowly. It's a hard 45 years. And God's going to take you through the hard way Many times in your life. It's going to require endurance. Caleb is a role model of endurance. 10, 20, 30, 45 years of endurance. Believing that God's word is going to happen. But small problems will form small faith. Big problems, giant problems will form giant faith. Your faith isn't going to grow by small problems. Oh, my wife and I had this little fight last night over something dumb, and then we fixed it by morning. Glory, hallelujah. The Lord is able. What? Tell me the time that the rings were off, and you're living in separate houses, and you're filing the divorce papers, and then God did something that's unexplainable. Tell me when the doctors say it's hopeless. Like, it has to become a big problem before God can grow big faith. God had Caleb on the hard way. You're going to walk the hard way many times. Well, we went to Brush Ove the first time. We were about to walk up Mount Timpa, which overlooks the city. And we got to the trailhead, and Pastor Christie said, you want to walk easy way or hard way? And I was about to say easy way. And one of his sons said, hard way, hard way. And I was like, Ugh. So check this out. This is a picture of the trail leading up the hard way. Look at those steps. The whole way up. It was that. These steep steps. And then this jagged trail. I was like, and we get to the top and we get this pretty view, which was kind of cool. But look, we walked all the way, all that way, the hard trail, the hard way. And then we walked down the other side of the trail. And on the way down, we looked up and we saw this. There was, there was a cable car that could have taken us to the top. 
almost killed one of Pastor Christie's children. <laughs> that would have been a lot easier if I had gotten on that thing. Right? Hey, maybe you feel the same way. You're going through this trial. It's taking a long time. And you're like, there has to be an easier way, God. Why do you have to be on the hard way? The hard way. Be- because it's growing your faith. You want little faith? You want big faith, you're going to have big problems. You lose endurance in the higher altitudes. You can't walk quickly the steeper it gets. But if you persevere, if you walk by faith, God will honor his word. Hey, maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe Caleb's example needs to help you to endure in faith. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe like me, you're like, all right, I'm just going to run one mile. No, 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 I'm done. Quitting. It's too hot. It's too hard. Maybe you've lost endurance and you think it's not worth it. Maybe you believe faith is not going anywhere of blessing. Maybe you think God's not good and he's leading you to a harmful future. It's all false. You have to listen to the Lord. He's taking you up the hard way so that he can grow you. He will keep his promises, every one of them. If you trust what he said and you keep going even when it's hard, You'll have an amazing God story. I want to give you a chance to pray in response to what you just heard. There's two things I'd like you to do right now. If you have your pen, you can write these on your bulletin and then pray over them. If you don't, you can just go write the prayer. But here's what I want you to write down. First, I want you to write down some things that faith has already taken you through. What has your faith survived already? You might want to just write that down. Faith, my faith has already survived and then... Fill in some of the amazing things God has done in your past. And then I want you to write down, my faith will survive, and write down what you're going through right now. Then in prayer, by faith, I want you to bring that to the Lord. And just as Caleb said, he is well able to do this. I want you to pray to the Lord and say, I remember you've done these things. I believe right now, before I see it, that you are well able to do this too. Let's go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and write that down. And then go ahead and pray over it by faith. Thank you.
Father, we just bring into remembrance right now all of the amazing promises that you've kept and all of the trials you've walked us through. Forgive us for forgetting so quickly what you've done. We know, Lord, that when we walk without faith, you feel despised and it brings judgment on us. So we just ask for your forgiveness when we lose heart, when we listen to our fears rather than you and we turn away from your word when we fail to believe that you can do it that you are well able to do the impossible forgive us for our lack of faith we just ask that whatever it is that we're going through right now whatever people have written down on their bulletins we ask that by faith you would prove what you've already promised you are able as we trust you we don't know how long it will take Lord, as we suffer for our faithlessness or for the faithlessness of others, give us endurance. We thank you, Lord, that you kept your promise to Caleb, the Israelites, that you settled them in the land, that the nation was born. From it came Christ. From it came the one sent from heaven to save all of us. And Lord, we have already believed the the greater promise that somehow this Son of heaven came down and died on the cross and rose again. We already believe that death was overcome, that our sins have been forgiven. That's the hardest thing to believe, and now you're calling on us to believe lesser things, easier things. So may our faith in what you have already done strengthen our faith in what you will soon do. We pray this in your name.